Welcome to the St. Edward's Podcast, a church filled with the Holy Spirit. We hope that today's words will draw you closer to Christ Jesus. Be seated. Today is the third part of a three-week series on the last verses of the Bible from the book of Revelation. We have looked at themes already that stand out in St. John's Revelation. Two weeks ago, we looked at the Christian hope, how it's not just something we look forward to, but that also a hope that impacts the way we live in the here and now. Last week, we looked at the book of Revelation as part of the narrative of grace. Revelation, along with Genesis, are the bookends of God's story of grace, a grace that shapes our future and our present, hope and grace. And today we have another theme on this third and last uh, part of our series on the book of Revelation, and that is on the theme of judgment. Judgment. Judgment brings all kinds of images from the Christian world. And some are helpful and many are not helpful. Judgment seems to be the primary emphasis in some Christian circles, overly emphasized to create fear or manipulation toward whatever they may desire. In other circles, it is rarely talked about as if judgment doesn't even exist in the Bible. This is sometimes, unfortunately, the trend in the Episcopal Church. But some may suggest the judgment of God is an Old Testament idea that fades in the New Testament. But as Dr. J.I. Packer writes, an Anglican from Canada, if we examine the New Testament even in the most cursory way, we find at once that the Old Testament emphasis on God's action as judge, far from being reduced, is actually intensified. Neither the overemphasis or the underemphasis serves the church well nor do they take the whole canon of scripture seriously. They don't want to leave things out in the Holy Scriptures. Judgment is a theme in the Bible from the Old Testament through the New Testament. It's also mentioned in our catechism on page 862 in the Book of Common Prayer. You can turn there later. Um, but it's where the question is asked, what do we mean by the last judgment? And the answer is this. We believe that Christ will come in glory and judge the living and the dead. We affirm it in our Apostles' Creed and in the Nicene Creed, and it appears in our second reading as well from Revelation when we heard these words uh, read today. As St. John wrote, Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. That's some strong language at the end of the Bible. And these words are the words of Jesus in John's vision. Judgment is part of our Christian faith and doctrine and hope. So it would probably be good if we answered the question, what is judgment? The idea of judgment in the Bible is to make things right. In fact, to understand God as righteous judge is to understand that he is to make all things right. 
to make things the way they are supposed to be, which is one way of identifying the Christian hope that we live, that God guarantees that ultimately everything will be made right. Another way to understand judgment is, is looking at our hope and desire in the midst of tragedy. We may hear of a violent crime somewhere where the criminals are still at large. And generally speaking, we pray that the victims will receive justice or that the criminals will be brought to justice. We want things to be made right. And it's usually not the occasion you hear in our prayers that we desire that the criminals will just be better understood or that they will get away with what they did. That's not usually the desire we have in those times. We want justice, and justice is an attribute of God, and wrath is the working out of that judgment. Wrath is understood in at least two ways in the biblical narrative. First, God's wrath is the carrying out of his judgments. It is administering justice. Again, Dr. J.I. Packer is helpful. <clears throat> he writes, God's wrath in the Bible is never the un unpredictable, self-indulgent, irritable, morally ignoble thing that human anger so often is. It is instead a right and necessary reaction to objective moral evil. Secondly, God's wrath is always chosen. People choose it for themselves. St. Paul writes in Romans chapter 1, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. St. Paul goes on to say that this wrath is being revealed by allowing people to face the consequences of their decisions. In that sense, you reap what you sow. Wrath is God allowing the just dues of our choices. So if wrath is God's outpouring of his justice, what hope is there for any of us? If God is a God of wrath and of judgment, why do we say that God is love? Where is the God who it is said about him, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, his mercies never come to an end, they are new every morning, Lamentations chapter 3. Let's just talk about that part. <laughs> well, God did something about it. He did something about our sin and our guilt and the justice of God. He has done something to show us his love and mercy. And that something is when God came down from heaven, God incarnate, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He sacrificed his own life for us on the cross. And that sacrifice satisfied God's wrath, satisfied his justice. St. Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. God's wrath is satisfied in Christ. In theology, it is called propitiation. In less complicated wording, 
we call it grace. Grace. And that's why Christ came. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. 1 Timothy 1. In saving us from his own wrath, God has done what we could not do. And he has done what we didn't deserve. By God's grace, we are saved. Not because we deserve it or earn it, but because Christ Jesus gave us the gift of life to those that believe. That grace, that gift, that's love. That's mercy. And because of that, we can long for the day of judgment. The day all things will be made right. So because of this, with this idea in mind, we can look at the last verses of Revelation with joyful anticipation, not with severity or harshness or fear, but with hope. God is making all things new. God is making all things right. God is the righteous judge. The loving justice we long for is being fulfilled in the coming again of Jesus Christ. This is our hope to be with him in our resurrection, where we will see all things made right, all things made new. The pain will be no more. The things we worry over, the things we mourn, no dying. God's justice will reign by the power of his love. And we will declare with the psalmist from our psalm today that righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. So we can say with St. John as he finished up the book of Revelation, Amen, come Lord Jesus. And we can ask just as the prophets in the Old Testament prayed, How long, Lord? How long until you come? And we pray with the apostles, Come quickly, Jesus. And above all, we pray the prayer of Jesus. Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the book of Revelation, full of hope, full of grace, and full of righteousness. Let us say along with it, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this conversation today. We will continue to pray that our teachings are impacting you for the kingdom of God. If you'd like to learn more about our community, you can find us on stedwardsepiscopal.com or on Facebook. And of course, we'd love for you to visit us in beautiful Mount Dora. May God's grace fill you as you go in peace. <laughs>